Come on, church, can we celebrate what God's doing around here? Life change, people going public with their faith. <laughs> there is nothing better than that. The third Sunday of every month, we celebrate baptism. It's after the 11 o'clock service, so many of you come to the 9.30, obviously. So that's why we want to show that in our services, so you can celebrate with those who are publicly declaring their faith in Jesus. And some of you, you know, that is your very next step. Um, you've given your life to Jesus in one of our weekend services, and you know you, needed to pub you, you need to publicly declare your faith in him. So if that's you, on that connection card that we've talked about already in the service, take it out, just check the box. I need to be baptized, and a member of our team will be able to answer all the questions that you have, and next month um, can be your month um, to declare publicly your faith your faith in Jesus. I'm just so excited for all the things that God is doing around here. And before we go any further, I do wanna look into the camera and give a big shout out to everybody who's joining with us online, Facebook, YouTube, our online campus, however, whatever brought you to the moment. Like, thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that your first time won't be your last time. And my name is Jared. I get to be the lead pastor around here. And I'm honestly humbled and grateful that you would take time out of your weekend to be with us. So how about a church family in the room? Come on, would you welcome all those online. We're grateful. Um, before we dive into five words that will change your life, let me just piggyback on one thing that Pastor Erica just said. And that's about tonight's prayer meeting for our new East Mesa location. Um, in September of this year, we will be one church in two locations, right here where we currently are and also over in East Mesa. Um, and some of you are like, I'm not interested in that. Like, this is my church, this is the building, this is the location that I'm a part of. I get that. Um, but as we continue to grow and God continues to bless, um, we just wanna go put ourselves in the fastest growing area of town. And just so you know, it just doesn't happen because we want it to happen and we have the funds to be able to buy all this stuff. It happens through prayer. This is a move of God that we get to be a part of. And so that's why we are months in advance taking a Sunday night a month and we're praying over that space. And so I would just encourage you tonight, I know football's going on. I know, I know it's gonna be hard. But five o'clock, would you be there, Ray Road, Signal Butte, at the Gateway Polytech Academy, which is the future home of Trinity Church East Mesa. And would you be there for an hour and just take it all in and experience what God is doing here at Trinity Church. And I'm just so grateful that you are, um, that you even consider it and you're a part of it. Hey, one of the things I just wanna let you know about too, as we're making all these preparations and all of this planning, um, back in the fall, we, we started together the One Life Movement. It's a two-year journey where we declare together that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And all that looks different for all of us because we're all taking steps on our spiritual journey. Uh, some of you, like that step was just the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I mean, you've never done anything like that before, but you decided I'm gonna begin the first part of my year by declaring that and, and you went all in and God showed up in your life in really powerful ways. This is the year you're serving, you're giving. It, it looks different for all of us. But one of the things together that we're doing as we chase some vision to go plan a new campus and update and remodel this, that it's never, and I want us just to repeat this over and over again so we don't lose sight of it. it, it this journey is not about a building, um, update and remodel. It's about helping more people meet Jesus. Amen, everybody? Like that's why we do what we do. It's to see more people go through the waters of baptism to declare publicly that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Why? Because Jesus is the hope of the world. Like not in Washington, D.C., not anything else. Like the answer is found in Jesus. So that's why we're doing all of these things with the One Life Movement. And I just wanna to report to you today 
that this week we were able to close on our construction loan here for the update in the remodel, which means that by March is our goal, mid-March, you will begin to see some construction happening around our campus in order for the September launch. I tell you that so far in advance, just to, to tell you and to pray that you would pray with me, and I'm praying for you, that as we move some things around, like sometimes you may come up and your kids may have to move around, like we'll communicate like well in advance to help you with all of these things. Uh, but if I would just appreciate and encourage just some flexibility. Can we all agree that as we go through this journey that we're gonna be flexible together and things may change and everything that we can control, like we'll, we'll communicate that with you. Uh, but just prepare your hearts that mid-March, we will be in a construction zone. And which this, this, this is so, so exciting. You know, Easter's coming, like April 17, which is kind of like the biggest weekend of the year. And our prayer is to have over 1,500 people on our campus. And we're going to do that in the middle of the construction zone, everybody. It's going to be amazing. So all that shared and said, like, I'm, I will communicate. You'll start seeing things. It's going to be an exciting time. But I pray for some flexibility for all of us as we navigate the next few months, the next few months together. Okay, um, if you haven't already, get those sermon notes out. Today's the day you want to write some notes. Trust me, if you're not the note-taking type, uh, write some notes with me. Um, and I would encourage you, um, go old school today, because we're going to do a little exercise on the board. And I'm going to ask you to get your old school sermon notes that were inside that worship guide with a pen. Remember those things? And, and draw a little bit with me today. And we are in the middle of this series. If you're a guest, let me just kind of bring you up to speed. We started the year by, the big idea is simple words have the ability to change your life with, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Simple words like yes and thanks. And last week we talked about the word help. Um, today, our word is the most countercultural word that we're going to share in this series. It's a word that we don't really hear much of in our society. You ready for it? It's the word enough. Now, let me just tell you how countercultural this is, because I bet you've never said or you've never heard this phrase, what I have is enough. We, we don't say that, do we? We just don't hear it, because what we're trained and what we're told is you need one more thing. You need the latest, you need the greatest, and once you get that, then your life will have meaning and fulfillment, then you'll be somebody. What you have is not enough. One of my mentors, um, he was on the board of our church in Indiana. He's a guy who, who retired at a really young age, was an executive for Dow Chemical and did really, really well. His name was Bob and Bob drove the oldest, ugliest car you could imagine. And he could certainly afford to drive anything he'd want to drive. And I would say, Bob, um, how many miles do you have on that thing? And he would, he would wear the mileage as a badge of honor. Say, I, I have, I have 1,000 or 180,000 miles on, on this. I'm like, Bob, why don't you get a new car? And the next year I would ask him, Bob, how many miles? And he would say, over 200,000 miles. And I would say, Bob, why don't you get a new car? You can certainly afford it. He goes, well, why? This gets me from point A to, to point B. Like this, this is completely fine. Bob was beating the system. And I love that about Bob. He was beating the system. He understood the, the, the freedom and the joy and the fulfillment in this word enough. 
Which, by the way, anybody in the room or online, you can type it in the chat. Anybody drive an old piece of junk? You're just like, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, like, you guys are my heroes. Like, I am so proud of you. Like, you are, you are beating the system. You're beating the system. But what we're told, right, is, oh, no, no, no. You need the new car. You need the, the new house. You need the latest and the greatest upgrade on the phone because it's not enough. <laughs> by the way, by the way. There's nothing wrong with having a new car and a new house and a new iPhone. And some of you are like, phew, we just bought one this week and we came to this service. Like, what are we doing? Um, God tells us in his word, he wants everything for us to enjoy. All, all things are for us to enjoy richly and greatly. But here's what I believe, that the happiest people, the people with the most freedom and joy in their life are the people that have learned the secret of saying the word enough. And we live in a culture that tells us what you have is never enough. This week, I was just reading some statistics on this. It's fascinating. That America, we make up 3% of the world's global children population, three, only 3%. But we buy over 50% of the world's toys. We love our toys, don't we? You know the fastest, one of, one of the fastest growing industries in America is today? I mean, they're popping up everywhere. It's self-storage. If you're looking for a real estate investment, I think that's a really good bet. Like we store our stuff that we don't even use. I mean, we just, they're, they're everywhere. Why? Because we're being told that what you have is not enough. You need the latest, you need the greatest. And here's what we're finding out. That the more stuff we have, it actually equals more stress. You think, well, if I get that next thing, that next vacation, then the stress will just roll away. And actually what it's describing is there's no end to it. Actually, there's more, there's more stress. Here's a study I read this week, and it, was, it just spoke so true to me. Here's a way to know if you're overextended or if you're maxed out, stressed out. Here's just five things. These aren't in your notes, but just write them to the side somewhere. Here's the first one, and it's, it's irritability. And this is a sure sign for me. Like when I'm irritable, like I'm just being a pain in the neck. Amanda, my wife, she just like, she just tells me to leave the room. Like you're, you're being annoying, like get out of here. It's just, it is a sure sign that I'm overextended, that I'm, that I'm stressed out. Here, here's another one. It's, it's loss of passion. Anybody ever feel that way? Well, I don't really care about my work and family. It's just like, there's nothing there. It's just blah. They're saying it's a sign that you're maybe maxed out. That, that thought of, well, if I just get the one more thing and then I'll be good, like, it's just not, it's just not true. Here's another one, loss of joy. This is, a, this is not just a sign, this is a spiritual sign. That the Bible tells Christians to be joyful always. When there's no laughter and you're not finding joy in anything, I think it just may be a sign that you may be stressed out, overextended. What you thought was gonna be enough, you're finding out it's not. How about this one? Um, disconnected relationships. You're just skimming over relationships. And nothing may be wrong in your marriage, but it was once warm and now it just feels cold and distant. And you're not mad at each other. It's just the way you would describe it. Just cold, just distant. You're not connecting at the heart level with your kids because you're working so hard all the time. Go, 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 we have to get to the next thing. We have to do the next thing. And you're missing the heart connection with your, with your kids. Hey, parents, let me challenge you for a minute. 
it's really hard to connect with your kids when you're running at 5,000 RPM all the time. You gotta slow it down. What you think is enough, they don't want the greatest and the latest gadget and toy. What they want is a moment with you. In fact, two weeks ago, I'm taking Grayson back to Michigan for my brother's funeral. Grayson's my eight-year-old boy. And, and I'm a no-nonsense kind of traveler. Like Amanda doesn't like it. And if I travel with my staff, they're like, just buckle up. Like, here we go. I mean, like, I know where we're parking. I know what train we're taking. I know which line we're in if we're flying Southwest or United. Or I, I know what we're doing. I know the airports that travel frequently through those. And I, we're in Chicago. And I'm like, all right, here we are. I got to get my rental car. I got to drive around the lake to get to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Grayson is just struggling to keep up with me. And I'm not paying attention to him. So I'm like, we are on a mission. I know what car I got to get. Like, let's go. And all the way, I'm just mo through, and then some lady was a godson in the moment, and she yells out, you better keep up with your dad. He's on a man on a mission. And, and, and Grayson, without missing a beat, goes, I always have to run to keep up with my dad. And we laughed it off in the moment. But that night, there was a snowstorm coming in. It got so bad, I pulled over and got a hotel. And Grayson falls asleep, and I'm looking at him in the other bed, like, it was a wake-up call for me. Like, that's what my eight-year-old boy thinks of me, that I have to keep on running so fast just to keep up with my, with my dad. It was a moment of like, God, I don't want that to be his story. So I've read stories, and so have you, of pastors and families. The pastor worked so hard in his 30s and his 40s to build a church, and his family gets his leftovers. Two weeks ago, it was an incredible wake-up call for me of saying, no, 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 that's not gonna be my story. You all are gonna get the leftovers. My family's gonna get first place. <laughs> Just so you know. You ever feel disconnected relationships? It may be a sign. What you thought was, oh, I just get one more thing. If I can just build the business, if I can just have one more zero in my bank account, then it'll be enough. It may be a sign. You're overextended. And here's the last one. And this is just, it's scary. It's dangerous. But it's this idea of, I just want to escape. just want to escape. This is where we're, we're not finding any joy, any passion. And we just think, well, well, maybe that thing that I'm fantasizing about, pornography, that extramarital affair, just skipping that corner, just nobody will know. It's a really dangerous place to be. You are in trouble. And I just give these to you today to say, hey, if you can relate to any of these areas, it's a sign that you may be overextended. It's a sign where today you need to say, no, no, enough. What I have is enough. And I know that's so hard because we live in a culture, in a fluent culture in society that tells us, nope. And we're always going to be busy, right? There's always going to be something gaining for our attention. Always, kids sports, another event, one more meeting. It's always gonna be a struggle. And I want you to know, like, there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with, with being busy. This is not a message that you need to work. I don't think I need to preach that. Now, if you're not working and you should be working, like, get to work. I have another message another time for you. But this is a message of saying, work's not the problem. What the problem is, is rest. We're not resting. And we're leading from our leftovers. We're trying to do everything. And this just kind of says, this is, where, this is where we are. This is why anxiety, depression, 
all those things are on, are on the rise. If you can relate, then you can relate to a guy by the name of David in the Old Testament. David was this little shepherd boy. He actually slayed a giant, became a king, led thousands of men into battle. And David had an affair, made a mess of his life, actually had the woman's husband killed. David's confronted with this sin, he repents. But over and over and over again throughout the Psalms and throughout the Old Testament historical books, you see a man who's constantly running on empty because it's never enough. I have one more thing to do, one more battle to win, one more city to build. Psalm 23, which is the most quoted Psalm of all time, many of your favorites, David gets really practical. I love how he begins in Psalm 23. Follow along in your notes. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say this with me online, put it in the chat. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. One translation says, I have everything that I need. If you look at the Psalms, David would oftentimes be in a mess, be overextended, enemies coming against him. And what you would find he would do, he'd go back to the shepherd, back to the shepherd, back to the shepherd. And every time he went back to the shepherd, you know what he would say? I have everything that I need. Why am I so stressed out about all the things I can't control? Why am I so worried about just the next thing? When he would go back to the source, he would realize I have everything that I need need. Well, let, this, this needs to speak to somebody today. Your, your identity is being wrapped up in how busy you are or your schedule or the business or building a church or your family or your kids or their sports or whatever. And your identity is wrapped up in that. And it's making you all those lists that we gave you. I'm telling you, if you go back to the shepherd and you're reminded of who he thinks you are and he, he speaks life and truth over you and you realize that my identity is not in this stuff. My identity is in who the shepherd says that I am. When you go to that moment, guess what? This is your response. Okay, I know who I am in you. I have everything that I need. I don't need to keep striving. I don't need to keep working hard. I don't need to keep on doing these things to prove to somebody that I'm somebody. God, you already think I'm somebody. David gives us this perfect example. Go back to the shepherd, go back to the source. And when you go back, you're gonna realize, okay, enough is enough. What I have right now is enough. I love this. He continues. The shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes. Another translation says he restores my soul. David's writing this psalm in an arid climate. There's not much green pasture. And when the shepherds would bring the sheep to a green pasture, because the sheep are stupid, they would have no idea what to do. The shepherds would literally make them lie down and enjoy the green pasture. Wouldn't it be better to learn how to lie down, to learn how to rest than to be forced? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been forced to lie down. Maybe it was a doctor, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a counselor, maybe it was God, maybe it was a health issue, where you were forced to lie down. I'm telling you, it would be better for you to learn the principle here. 
to lie down, to enjoy all that he has for you, to rest in the shepherd because there is where he refreshes your soul. And I know when I talk about this idea of rest, so many people get anxious because we all deal with this. And, and just so you know, I'm on this journey with you. This is not an easy message to preach because I, I live and breathe this daily. But the idea of rest in the scripture, it, it's not just one time and we're done. It, it is a 10 commandment kind of thing. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. And by the way, you shall rest. And we like to skip that one a lot. Here's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, the list of the 10 commandments. Here it is. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, the work that you get to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest. Those six days work hard. You should work hard. This is why your body feels tired when you spend 10 hours working. It should. It's a good thing. But that seventh day, that's not just a day to catch up on all the errands because then at the end of the day, right, you're just as tired as any other work day. And people freak out about this idea of rest. Like, oh man, that means I just gotta lie around and do nothing all day. They feel like that's, what, that's not what God is saying. Here's, here's actually the principle. That in your day of rest, it should be, you should do things that actually refreshes your soul, that fills your bucket. Some of you, it would be, it'd be just a great thing to say, hey, uh, this is a day where I'm gonna actually like, work on a hobby. Something that nourishes and, and fills me. I, I joke about this, but it's true. Friday is my rest day, it's my day off. I go to the gym, we have a date day, all that stuff. And I eat cheat meals on Friday, all day long. Some of you are so stressed out about counting every macro and every carb, what you need is just a good cheat meal. <laughs> you don't believe me? Stressed spelled backwards is desserts. <laughs> you're, you're welcome for that. Some of you need to go eat the biggest piece of chocolate cake today and just watch the stress melt away. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna draw. Now, I'm not a good artist. I've done this before. I, I wanna just kind of explain something to you. Um, that's not gonna work. Let's do this one. That was why these are up here. I'm gonna get confused. All right, here we go. Now, you're gonna have to be patient with me. I gave you ample room on your notes to follow along. I, I need you to draw today. You're, you're, you're here to, welcome to kindergarten. All right, this is, can anybody guess what this is? Anybody guess what this is? A what? Uh, here we go. Yeah, oh, oh, a bucket, come on, come on. It's a bucket. Our life is like a bucket. And we have holes. All of us have holes at the bottom of our bucket. And what do we do? We, we leak. All of us do. I don't know what that is for you. It's different for everybody, how God's wired us, how God's uniquely designed us. But all of us leak energy, effort, all those things. I'm just going to tell you what some of my um, leaks are. I think this will be helpful for, for some of you. Um, but for me... This is just me now. When I'm in constant sermon preparation and teaching, like it, it drains my bucket. I mean, if it's constant, the grind, week after week and multiple times speaking out, it just, it just drains me. 
Here's another one. Some of you can probably relate to this. It's um, conflict management. I know none of you think that I deal with that as a pastor of a church, but that just, just drains me. Um, counseling just, just zaps me. Another one um, is, <laughs> you, you do not know this, but you know it now. It's social settings. Like if it's just the constant of I gotta go to this event and this event and everywhere I go, I have to be wear the pastor hat. Like you can ask my wife, it is just draining for me. I, I am an extrovert, like, but there are moments where I need like, I, if it's just constant, you catch me in a bad mood, like it, it, could, be, it could be brutal. We all have these, right? So I, what are those for you? What, what are those things that just drain you, that zap your energy? So here, here's the thing, many times, we just kind of, well, we're just gonna work harder and try more. And when we work harder at it, you know what the problem is? Is we actually become more tired, more enslaved, more frustrated, more depressed, more angry. So what we have to do is we have to fill our bucket. We have to have streams constantly that fill our bucket. So what are the streams that fill my bucket? Well, first one is like spending time with God. Spending time with God is a bucket filler for me. Solitude, being alone, it's, it's a bucket filler. In fact, this afternoon, I'll go on a run. Now, Gabby, my five-year-old or six-year-old now, she'll go on a bike ride with me, um, but I don't, play, I don't bring AirPods. I, I, it's literally me and for five miles, I am alone in my thoughts. After the day, processing it, all those things, I, it's just me in my thoughts and with God, just solitude. And it fills me up. Another thing that just fills me up is date nights with Amanda. Come on, husbands, you know what I'm talking about. Like date nights, it just fills me up. It's eating a nice meal with her. Another one for me is exercise. It is amazing. I'll walk into our gym, um, at 5.30 for a night class, and I'm mad, and I don't wanna to talk to anybody. And people know it too. I have the look like, please do not talk to me right now. I don't wanna to talk to you, I'm not laughing at any jokes, like don't mess with me. But then after the workout, after an hour of sweating, I'm telling you, my, my bucket's full. No, what it is, there's something about it. Here's the thing, and I'll just write this in. The first thing you have to do is you have to establish daily bucket fillers. Write that in your notes. You have to establish daily bucket fillers. And I don't know what that is for, for you particularly, but let me just start by saying this. Like, you need to spend time daily with God. We did the 21 days of prayer and fasting for that very reason, to build a rhythm in your life where you're gonna disconnect from the world and you'll connect with God. It's a bucket filler for all of us. You need to hear him speak to you. You need to say yes to when he responds. And maybe you're like, well, I can't do 21 minutes, do five. But daily, spend time with God. Get in your car and instead of listening to talk radio, turn a worship music on. Allow the worship to minister to your soul. Spend time every day with God. Here's another one. Establish annual bucket fillers. They're really practical. And I don't know what that is for you either. Maybe it's like a vacation. It's what you need to do. Here's what people think. Well, if I just do it one time, like boom, it'll jolt my life back together. <laughs> you know how silly that is to think? Your marriage has been struggling for years and you think one date night's gonna solve the problem. So it's a constant stream. 
You haven't had time with God um, in a really long time and you're struggling with some things in your life and you think, why, I did it one time and nothing. You're out of shape, you haven't been eating right, you're unhealthy and you think, I went to the gym for a week and nothing happened. Like where's the, where's the washboard abs? Like consistency over and over and over again. And these annual things, like these are just things, you say, I don't have any money, I don't live the light, Jared, I can't do these things, go cheap. Go camping with your family. I'm telling you that I have a friend, he's a local pastor here. And this summer he looked at me and he says, I can tell you're burning the candle at both ends. You're preparing for the One Life Movement, all the things that are going on. You just came out of COVID. And I know COVID's been really hard for pastors. So many pastors are resigning and quitting the ministry. He's like, you need to go to Montana and you need to go fly fishing with me. All expenses paid, I'm taking you. And it didn't really work well into our schedule. I'll be honest with you. Like, oh, uh, he's like, I'm telling you, you need this. Two days in, I'm in Montana. I call my wife and she goes, wow, you sound happy. And I was a little offended. I'm like, I'm a happy guy. Like, what are you just like, you know, you don't understand. There is something different. I didn't know how desperate I needed that moment. I thank God for a friend like that to say, I see it. You're about to burn out. You need to, all of us need to establish annual bucket fillers. And that's different for, for all of us. And here's the third thing. I, I just, and I'm gonna be really careful when I preach this. But if you may be maxed out, stressed out, you need to be aware of technology. Beware of technology. I, I love this quote, Kevin DeYoung, he pastors a great church in Michigan. He wrote a book called Crazy Busy several years ago. This is what he writes. The danger of technology is that work and rest blend together. We never quite leave work when we're at home. So the next day we struggle getting back to work. Evenings and mornings have lost their feel. Everything is blurred together until we spiral into illness, burnout, or depression. And I just agree with him when he says, you need to put boundaries, safeguards on technology. Ever heard of this? You may have a problem um, with technology um, called the phantom pocket vibration syndrome. You ever heard of that? <laughs> it happens to me all the time. Like, oh, oh, and, no, it's, it's nothing. You literally think your phone is buzzing and it's, it's nothing. These are funny, but here's what he writes in his book. He says, you, you, may, you may have a problem, here it is. Like you take your phone to bed with you, you may have a problem. Um, you practice the art of secretly texting while maintaining eye contact. I know nobody does that, but. Um, <laughs> you feel bummed when you forget to bring your phone into the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you, may have, you may have a problem. Um, you check your phone during business meetings, dinners, and sermons at church. I disagree with Kevin DeYoung. Like, it may be time to put some boundaries and some safeguards around technology. It may be affecting more things in your life than you think. Here's the next verse in Psalm 23. It says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Hello, I love that. So Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. So why is that so important? 
Well, why is this so important to gain control of my life? Here's, here's why. And if you're not careful, and you're already overextended, and then your life is a moral mess, you've thrown in a secret addiction, an affair, cutting corners at every turn, like your life becomes unmanageable. Which is why he says over and over again, no, no, passive righteousness. You go to the God who can restore your soul and you're not gonna find a God who's angry or frustrated with you. Listen, God knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. And some of you, it's time for you to say enough and you need to get the help that you desperately need. Like today, call that counselor. Like say, this is the year I'm gonna have victory over this thing. Some of you, it's time to get a friend that you can be real with that they can hold you accountable to some areas in your life. Enough, enough with the old life. In fact, in March, we're gonna begin a three week series from this book called Done With That. Overcoming the struggle of the old life. I can't wait for what God's gonna do in, in that series in March. But some of you, you need to say enough, I'm done. I'm done with the old. I want all that God has for me. Here's this next verse, it's powerful. Let, let this speak to you today. But it's time for us to say enough. And when you get a picture of your life, I, this is what he says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And I love this promise because you're with me. God's there. None of us like to talk about death. And we really don't talk about death until we're confronted with it. I'm just, I'm just being honest, like the last month living this journey with my brother's family at his passing, I mean, it makes you, it stops you in your tracks and it makes you evaluate everything in life. Like what is most important? You know how many times I've asked this question the last month and a half, like, what am I living my life for? This, this verse in Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. You know what he's saying? You can't take any of this with you. Like, all of this is going to burn. All of it. When you, when you get a picture of that, and you realize how fragile life is, and that we have this one and only life, and we're told over and over again to count our days, count our days, Life is like a vapor, it's a mist, here today, gone tomorrow. I'm telling you, it, when you see it, it's really easy to say, what I have is enough. But here's the problem. We think we have life by the tail. Like, oh, I'll live forever, that's good. I, that's, that happens to other people, it doesn't happen to me. Come on, let, let this verse speak to you today. You can say enough when you realize that the life that we live is not really for this life, it's for the life to come. So how I spend my time, how I invest my money, invest it in the things that last and that's people and that's eternity. So we can say, what I have is enough. We've been ending our time in this series a little bit different each week. One week I, I gave you time, ample time to write out what you're thankful for, gave you homework. 
here's the last question I'm gonna ask you, and I'm gonna give you this week to, to think about it and give you an assignment. But if we're gonna live this life of what I have is enough, I would just ask the question, then what's the one thing that you can give or throw away? That you can train yourself, like, yeah, what I have is enough. How about this? What if you and your family over the next seven days say, okay, we're gonna give away or we're gonna throw away one thing for the next week. Like, I'll be honest with you, living in the Midwest for all those years, I have enough sweaters, but I keep them. There's just closets full of sweaters. And I can only wear sweaters here for like a month and a half. So that's why I do, all my turtlenecks are for right now. I gotta give, I gotta clean the closet, throw stuff away, give it away. And maybe it's more complex than a sweater. Maybe it's just one thing, a big thing that's keeping you stuck. And you know what it is. Holy Spirit's speaking to you about that. Come on, if we're gonna live this, if this word is gonna change our life, together you need to say, what we have, what I have is enough. So I'm gonna pray for you right now. Bow your head, close your eyes. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. So Lord, we, we declare this. We may not even believe it yet. So fill us with faith. Give us the courage to live it out. But we declare that what we have is enough. That you are the great shepherd. And you always cared for us and you've always protected us and you've always provided for us and you've always been faithful. Even in the difficulty, even in the trials of life, even in death, you've been there. And so we're running back to the shepherd. And when we're there, we realize our identity isn't found in stuff. Our identity is found in who you say we are. So together, we declare it. What we have is enough. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, some of you in the room and online, you would say, Jared, I gotta be honest with you, like I'm far from God. And all, all this talk about death kind of has me freaked out a little bit. And the reason why it scares you is because you know that you're far from him and God's speaking to you today. And as I said before, he knows everything about you and he loves you. You're not here on accident. This message was for you. And you're one sincere moment away from everything changing in your life, from having a hope and a future. You're one sincere moment away from this sermon even making sense. And if that's you today, you know you're far from God, but you know you need to respond to him. I would encourage you to pray this prayer. Put it in your own words, but just pray a prayer like this. Just say, today, God, I know that you know everything about me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way, keeping you at a distance. But today I know you're speaking to me and I wanna respond. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Three days later, he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, giving me a hope and a future. And I don't have to live my life for myself. Today, I declare I live my life for you. Oh, tell him that. 
Say today, come live inside of me, change me, make me the person you long for me to be. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person who's praying that prayer. Some today are praying that prayer for the very first time. Others, it's a recommitment prayer. But Lord, you know right where they are today. So we just say thank you. Thank you for saving people. Thank you for speaking to people today. And together, one more time, we declare that what we have is enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church, celebrate with me, will you? Those who just said yes to Jesus online in the room, you prayed that prayer. Way to go. We're so proud of you. Take that connection card out, fill it out. Let us know of your decision today. And it's the same, hassle-free guarantee. We never come knocking on your door. We're never gonna show up unannounced. Um, we're simply just gonna give you an email, giving you some clear next steps with your faith in Jesus. And talking about a next step, um, we offer a thing called the growth track. It's a two-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. After this service during the 11 o'clock hour is step two. I would encourage you right after the service is over, go to the lobby, our host team, our staff will greet you, answer all the questions that you have. And today you can take your next step here at Trinity. And church, before we send you out um, right now, we're gonna worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that around here? Yeah, we cheer for it. God loves a cheerful giver and we serve a give first God. So we're gonna be a give first people. Uh, I'm gonna invite you to stand all over the room. I'm gonna pray over you, bless you, uh, to dismiss you today. And if you're a guest again, let me just say thanks for being here online. Grateful that you're a part of the ride. Um, and my wife and I would be down front for a few moments. We'd love to shake your hand, love to welcome you to church today. And if you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team, our prayer partners will be down front. We would love to pray with you, love to pray for you. And then don't forget tonight at five o'clock at the Gateway Polytech Academy, I'd love to invite you to come be a part of our prayer walk, our prayer meeting for our East Mesa location. Let me pray for us and then you're dismissed. God, I thank you for the amazing people of Trinity Church. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And I just pray that we'll have the courage right now to say enough, stop comparing, stop competing and just be okay in who you say we are that what we have is enough. And now I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had, and Tom Brady will win again. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend.